Charles, man, thank you very much for coming on the show, dude. I really, really appreciate you being here, brother. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, right. uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's exciting times. We just chatted a little bit before the show started there. And I mean, you know, you you are the man that has stories for days and days and days, <laughs> which I'm really, really, really excited to get into. But the thing I want to kind of start off with that is that I find that, that at this moment in time, it's like we're experiencing your rebirth like that's what that's what i'm really excited about at the moment is it seems like we we are now getting to see like travis 2.0 and like <laughs> that for me is a is a really really fucking exciting time because it feels like you know and we'll we'll hop onto it later on the show but you've dealt with a lot of shit you have found your kind of like true essence and purpose and drive and desire and passion again and it kind of yeah. feels from the outside that that you can really see that and you can see that you now have this orientation of focus for competitors i feel like it's kind of fucking scary but for for the rest of us that are enjoying the show it's a really exciting time man so i just want to just straight off the bat how are you feeling now man what's going on with you what's going on in your head where is where has this come from and, and where do you think it can go you know first off man what, what you said there that means a lot to me and and when you say that you can kind of see the mission that I'm on and, you know, and I don't have to spell it out. It, that's, that's cool right there. Cause that lets me know that I'm on the right path. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of validation in a way. <laughs> so that means a lot. I appreciate you saying that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> like you say, Travis 2.0, the rebirth, that's that whole Phoenix rising, yeah. you know, I, <clears throat> I started strongman when I was shit. I was 20. It was a week before my 21st birthday, and that was 18 years ago. So <laughs> that's a hot minute. That's a hot minute in the game, man. That's yeah, yeah. There's not. I don't, I've been in longer than Mark Felix, Nick Best. I've been longer than all those guys, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've lived a couple lives in that time. I guess it's. Uh, I was the hot young rookie blazing a trail i went to you know ifsa worlds three years in a row and then world's strongest man after ifsa kind of went away <clears throat> and then uh yeah sort of that that's where the phoenix came in and i uh i guess i had to crash and burn and absolutely annihilate the world around me and that was a scary time that was tough you know it was uh uh, not healthy, not, uh, I guess it was a lot of things. It was a lot of things. It was a pivotal moment in my life where I had to sink or swim. Either I was going to die like so many of the people that I knew. And I, I knew several people that died in that, uh, that, that situation, uh, several people who have not pulled their way out of it. Um, and we can touch more on that in, in a little bit. You know, I don't want to get too in-depth right off the bat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I burned the world around me and then had to rise up from the ashes. You know, it was kind of, uh, I had to do it on my own. You know, burn, part of burning the world around you is you, you burn everything, all connections, you know, family, friends. There was two people that maintained contact with me throughout that period. One lived in Norway and one lived in Georgia and I was in Texas. So it was kind of easy for them to maintain contact because they were 
at a distance. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody that was even remotely close to me was gone. And, uh, you know, I'm really good. uh, When I start screwing up, I'm really good at punishing myself. And the thing people don't realize, even if you're not taking your inner anger out on others, you're taking it out on yourself, you're still affecting the other people around you. Yeah. You know, because your light's not burning anymore and it's it's either dragging on theirs or it's hurting them, you know. So I, I understand why I ended up alone. And, uh, you know, I think in the end it could have destroyed me, but it made me a stronger person because now, I mean, it's easy to look at life and be grateful for everything when you've had nothing. It's like, I know I can survive with no one. I can live on my own. I can, I don't need anyone. So when I have someone, I am so grateful for those people, you know, they're, and, uh, I try to keep that attitude and I try to instill that mindset on other people, everyone around me, you know, because if you can be grateful for what you have, as little as it may be, that little bit of gratitude is so powerful and it goes so far. Yes. You know, it, <laughs> it's so true, though. It's infectious. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really interesting what you were saying, saying there, kind of like, even though you don't intentionally take it out on the people around you, it kind of, by proxy, you do. And, it, and it's true for everything, whether that's good or bad, whether it's the positive or the negative, whatever feeling you have in yourself is infectious around the people around you. So they Social pick up on it, and then they, they reverberate that. So if you're in a yeah. shit mood and you're just putting out crap into the universe, yeah, dude, of course all you're going to see and hear is crap because you're putting out that wave. Do you know what I mean? But in yeah. the flip side, now, like, listening to you now, dude, I love it. It's so, <laughs> it's so encapsulated because you can see and feel and hear the passion because you've experienced it and you know what it feels like. So you can come at this from a completely different fucking standpoint from where you were at, you know, let, let's say like 10, 15 years ago, you know, when you were first kind of coming through the ranks and whatever. You're you're looking at the world from a completely different set of eyes now. And I think yeah. that must do a lot for you, right? It's, uh, well, <clears throat> so what you're saying, you know, you learn these lessons and you can look at it from a different point of view. Um, you're absolutely right. For me, I'm such a stubborn, hard-headed son of a bitch that... <laughs> no, you don't say. No way. Just staying strong, man, as long as I have and through all the shit that I've been through. But, I mean, <clears throat> you, I can learn lessons watching other people. Yeah. I can look at this on the surface and say, oh, that's a bad idea. You know, don't touch the red-hot iron because that's going to suck. But I'm going to go ahead and say, well, I have to experience that myself to know just how much that suck is going to be. You know, so I, I call it 360 learning. I can't look at the, the top half and and just understand the lesson. I've got to feel the lesson, that time under tension, to use a weightlifting term. i got to feel what that's like to go through that experience. And then I'm okay with understanding it. So it's like, you know there's two Travis's in here. I got one back here who who like takes notes and I got the one out here who has to experience all the shit. And this one, well, he, you know, he just wants to make sure that this one gets all of the lessons as painful and shitty or as fantastic as they are. (laughs) So, you know, Travis out here is like, what the fuck, man? We got to go through this again. And Travis back here is like, yeah, pushing the buttons. Yep. 
Yep, then we're going to experience that one. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, we're going to go through that one. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sit back and watch the fireworks, baby. Woo! That's exactly it. Yeah, like, you freaking asshole. Start talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been there 100%. But it's, it, it's interesting that you say that because do you not feel that... Well, I think coming at it from both a coaching standpoint and a competitor standpoint, the fact... I, like, I feel like from what you're saying there is that it's almost like this uh, almost like mental cognitive conditioning. Do you know what I mean? Like you're forcing yourself to go through those experiences. You're taking them on board. You're making the notes of it. So then you can then advise people and say, hey, look, it looks like you're going down this road. I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, motherfucker. This is actually where you need to go. You need to hit a left at that intersection. Don't go straight over. Like, that's not a good place. You don't want to be Just there. Get the t-shirt. It's a shitty shirt anyway. Yeah, you don't dude. want the shirt, you know. But then yeah, that I makes you a better that, coach and competitor, doesn't it? The best teachers are the ones who have lived what it is they're teaching. You know, the those are the best yes. teachers. So, <clears throat> I... On the one hand, I never feel like I'm quite good enough as a coach. And I kind of keep that because I don't ever want to think that I know it all. But yeah. on the other hand, when I stop and look back, like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe I really do have an idea of what I'm talking about. I, okay, I've gone through all of this. And I see, like you say, I see where my athlete's going. It's like, no, 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 we're going to take this way, take a break. You know, <clears throat> so I think, yeah, experiencing it has improved my ability to teach immensely yeah. and get my point across and to really feel where it is that my athletes, you know, stuck or what they're doing or when they're succeeding, I feel that too. And I know how to keep it going. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, I mean, not to carry on too long, but experience is everything for a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I, I think that's that's the interesting thing as well. Like I, I especially feel like with strength sports in general, like the person that is doing the coaching, the programming, has to have like I don't even want to say like an intermediate level of experience. Like they need to be experienced in understanding what it feels like to go through that shit what it takes to put your body through that, what it takes to get up on the stage and know that you are beaten and bloody to shit, you've got 10% left in the tank, but you've got to give it 100% no matter what because you want to beat this competitor on whatever the next event is. Like, Once you've been there and experienced that, it's so much easier for you to be like, okay, hey, I understand how you're feeling, how you want to come at this, but actually from experience, let's take a step back, maybe we don't get too revved up, et cetera, et cetera. It, uh, you know, it, it serves a dual purpose. Yeah. It, it it gives me it gives me the understanding of where my athletes are at and how to coach them better but it also gives my athletes faith in my decisions because they know that I've been through that shit they know that I've pushed through worse or at least that bad you know i mean i've athletes that compete when they're like oh you know i tweaked my leg on this and i'm like all right well here's what we do we wrap it up and we march on. We, we push into pain, but not through pain. We try, you know, <clears throat> and, and that also depends on the level of competition. It's like, how important is this competition to you? Yeah. We'll push through a broken ankle at World's Strongest Man, but we're not going to push through a broken ankle at some local qualifier if it doesn't absolutely mean everything to you. <clears throat> so that's I, I now know the questions to ask in order to understand how far to push somebody. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, personally, I wouldn't recommend anybody competing on a broken ankle. It sucks. <laughs> yes. it sucks. I'm not going to lie. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. It fucking sucks. But, you know, it, uh, it also gives you, you know, some kind of idea of your metal. How tough are you? What can you make it through? And then, you know, I think I proved a lot to myself doing stupid things dude i don't i don't think there are many people in the same field as you that that can ever say that that they come up to that standard what uh what year was it that you were that you did the it was the deadlift for reps wasn't it card deadlift for reps with uh kaklaev uh on the dude and like i spoke i spoke to craig Tolley about this before because he says it's like one of his greatest yeah, moments of all time yeah. and like yeah dude I, I i remember just watching it and just being incomplete and out of all to just be like i don't understand what this fucking guy is made of to be able to do that like I, i'm speaking from like i haven't even had a broken ankle like I've torn a bunch of ligaments, I've torn a few muscles, but like never broken anything. And I understand how painful that was. So to compete on a full break where you're getting compression through the ankle the whole time you're lifting is just insane. Dude. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, it wasn't full pressure on it because I was tilted onto one leg the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was pushing that's through my right That's even more ridiculous. That's <laughs> even more ridiculous. You just turned around you deadlifted with one fucking leg. Who are you? I did. I shifted over on like the ninth <laughs> rep. And that's, I felt this surge of pain. I was like, whoa, nope, no, nope, that ain't happening. And that's when I dropped it and kind of limped away or fell back against the car or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember Craig always talks about that one being one of his favorites. That's, that's kind of an honor, honestly. <laughs> People bring that up, but. You know, the one that hurt more, that was, uh, it was 2010 World's Strongest Man in the final. Uh, the event that hurt the most was the frame carries, the first event that second day. Yeah. And so it was an 800-pound frame that I was limping with. <sighs> and I still beat Poundstone, and I love to rub that in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he is absolutely stewing about that to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Poundstone, man, Poundstone and I, we've got... We have a great rivalry and a great friendship, and you know it went back and forth so many times between us. Uh, yeah, but also like I also think it's really interesting that you had that, but also in that aspect, like from that the mental standpoint, like I would say that you two guys are kind of especially for for that that generation were the standout guys to be like these guys will die to get the event done like no matter what and yeah. the fact that when you guys would then have those head-to-heads and stuff it's like this is gonna <laughs> be a show because neither we, of them it made us days. it made us each so much better and yeah. it's like you say we will we will literally fucking die <laughs> and so if he's pushing that way and i'm pushing that way just a perfect example is 2009 america's strongest man we were 30 points ahead of third place and still killing each other on each event to try and take it. I mean, these guys were down so far there was that we could stop two events short and still be done first and second. <laughs> but we would still, there was no giving up. And I'm, <laughs> It's just that killer and, instinct. Uh, you know, he always says that I pushed him to be a, a better athlete, and I would have to say the same thing about him. He pushed me to be a better athlete than I probably ever would have been otherwise. So, you know, now that I've said that, in this new life that I've built, I don't have direct competition. I'm gonna Dude, have to I was find literally about to ask that. Have, 
yeah, I'm gonna have to go find someone's ass to kick. Yeah, and see if I can. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to find, you know, I'm going to pick Trey Mitchell or Bobby Thompson or some of these super freaks out there. <clears throat> Little side note, Trey Mitchell's first contest was one that I put on in like 2012. There's some little contest in a gym parking lot. And I didn't remember Trey, but I remembered his father. His okay. father was very distinctive cowboy hat, <laughs> buttoned up shirt. I mean, I didn't, you don't forget that guy. Never. <laughs> Ever. So I saw them at uh, Nationals when he won his pro card. And like I said, I didn't really recognize Trey because Trey had gained a lot of weight, to be fair. But his dad was still his dad. I'm like, I know that guy. I, I know that guy. That's He's your son. Just won, there's some reason I <laughs> so I had to go over and make it known that, yeah, I remember y'all. That's absolutely crazy, man. What a small, small, small world. It's, and it's so interesting you bring that up as well because I think – that's like i think that's one of the like the bigger things that i think people are really really hyped about seeing the kind of like the return of travis 2.0 is that like where it's it's like well i mean your career has spanned over a, a decade now like regardless and the fact is that when you when you started and you were competing that was almost like it's like people reflect back almost like the the golden era of strongman like it was that, those, <laughs> those times were absolutely crazy and the event organization and the the athletes you had in there compared to today is like night and day like it just it just seems and feels so polarizingly different and i think it's really interesting to see yourself who has all this experience who's seen it all and done it all compete against some of the biggest and craziest fucking names that there was in your time to now have that little break and come back into the game now where we're seeing this like surge of fucking freaks from around the world that are just like crept out from behind these boulders and caves and you know and like the, the yeah dude and it's just it's insane so how do you feel as a competitor coming into this stage now coming into like these big arena shows where you've got like some of these you know athletes who are considerably younger than you are now but don't have that level of experience that can't keep the same composure that has that hasn't kind of got as many strings on their bow as as a fantastic athlete like you do like how, how do you find that well you know so there's a few, there's a, a couple things. I'll just start with the, the difference in the way the athletes were then and the way the athletes are now. The athletes now have so much more knowledge at their disposal. You know, with the invention of uh, you know, the the Facebook and, and Instagram and yeah, it, all the apps on the it's phone, just, all the here, social man. media. In an instant, just That's done. exactly it. So when I started competing, even at the professional level, I would learn by traveling to other places and training with them. You know, the old fashioned. I mean, yeah. that was just, that's like dial up versus cable <laughs> internet, you know? <laughs> so, you know, my experience, and I guess that, that kind of goes hand in hand with that 360 learning because I was there and I got the feel. I'm able to adapt to different pieces of, of equipment fairly, fairly easily. And I usually do better the farther I have to travel. Or the longer a contest goes on, it's just that that rugged, you know, deep fight that I've got in me. Most yeah. guys they kind of start out hot and then drop off quick. Yeah. You're happy to I live start in out like shit. I start, yeah. 
getting better. You know? <laughs> it's just the way I've always been. But, uh, you know, now these guys, they, <clears throat> one, everybody's got their nutritionist. They've got that sorted. That's a huge game changer. And uh, just to touch on that, Nathan Payton, yeah. uh, who does Brian Shaw and Martins Lissis, I was his first client back in 20, uh, 2009. That's crazy. 2009. Yeah. So we started working together and my performance just went straight through the roof, you know? And then, uh, I think Nathan said the story went that Brian saw me at the Arnold and how much weight I had lost, but how much strength I had gained. And he just couldn't believe how this guy who weighed 300 pounds was keeping up or beating 400 pound giants it was crazy dude you were so, like, <laughs> that was like the year of the giant killer like you came in so fucking conditioned and it was like dude it, i i watch the clips back now and even the commentators are, are like talk about it like travis is looking <laughs> so like this year and then you just come up you just rep that atlas stone again and again and they're like this is insane and it's like yeah because you're like 20 30 pounds easily lighter than everyone as a bare minimum it's like it's crazy man and you absolutely slayed well you know that's uh that's when i started to feel like i had to play catch up i was strong then but i could see the potential of the monsters coming and i was trying to keep up with Derek, so it always trying to play catch up and then 2012 when everything fell apart and you know, I, I went four years without training. <clears throat> I got back in. People don't realize this uh, unless they've heard my story. <clears throat> when I tell people that I took the time off, they're like, oh, you know, that's got to be great. Your body must have been healed. And, you know, you got <laughs> and then well... I tell them <laughs> maybe I wasn't lifting, but I was not being good to it. And uh, that muscle memory, it works. It works if you've kept the muscle, the cells, the muscle cells, they'll, they'll expand and they'll shrink, but they'll come back fast. But with what I did, uh, I actually burned off a lot of those cells because I was so malnourished and, and doing stupid shit. You know, I, <clears throat> I went to the hospital and they, they found, uh, what was it? Protein in my blood. And, you know, cause I was basically shit. starving. I was eating once a day, once every other day. Oh, yeah, you're like fully catabolic. Your body's just breaking and, down tissue to survive at that point, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, you know, when I started training, I had a little bit of that muscle memory, but it only went for like the first year. I had a, I had a huge rebound the first year, and I was still only at like 75% of where I had been. And I hit this wall of just like, holy shit, I guess, I guess the, uh, the easy gains are gone. Now I'm going to have to dig in and start trying again. And it, it was like, uh, <clears throat> let's just put it in, in terms of weight. So I was at a certain point at 275 pounds strength wise in my first life. That's about as far as I made it back on the rebound, the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the muscle memory. Uh, I still had that 60 pounds of pure strength that I had gained, which was all the muscle that I had burned off in that addiction phase, you know? <laughs> so it took me a few years to catch back up to be even remotely strong enough to think about competing. Um, you know, my first, I remember my first day back, 
And I remember my first competition and there's a link between the two. So my first competition, I was 227 pounds and, you know, I rose to the top. I'd gotten up to 340 pounds at one point and then life smacked the shit out of me. And I remember going through that hell and asking myself, you know, when is this going to stop? And I think that's when this guy back here, it was an immediate answer. It's like, you're going to start over. And I knew what that meant. I was going to lose everything that I had gained through strongman. It was going to, I was burning it all. I was going to just destroy it and rebuild. And my first day back in the gym, I was 227 pounds. So, yeah, I mean, I had lost a hundred and almost 20 pounds of body weight from my peak of my career to coming back. But do you not find it so weird that it's the exact same pre-show weight? Like, dude, that's what I find is just, it's so, like, I, like I, I am a huge believer of a sense of that everything happens for a reason, that you don't necessarily understand why as of then and there in that, at that time, and it might take you weeks, months, even fucking years or decades to understand why it had to happen. But like... The fact that you came back round full circle to that number is like the universe has <laughs> given you a sign, man. Like, yeah. how, yeah, I, how see, clearer I, do you need to, to be given? I knew, I knew that's what was going to happen. I just, <sighs> I, I thought it was kind of funny at first. I thought it was like, wow, that's just such a coincidence. And then deep down, I knew there was no coincidence there. Now, this programming you have back here. It kind of told you what was going to happen, and by God, it fucking did. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was going to start over, and we're going to do it right this time. And so I think I am – I feel like I'm doing it right this time. I feel like the first run – the first life, the end goal was just to win a big show, was just to win World's Strongest Man, to win the Arnold. That was it. You have a whole life after that and people don't realize that athletes they go through a massive depression most of them go through a massive depression when they stop competing or doing whatever sport it is because you've been so focused you know blinders on 100% tunnel vision and this is what you do and you know what your day-to-day regimen is going to be and you live it you are it that's you yeah then you take this thing out and you've got this massive hole with a vacuum and people, yeah. you know, <clears throat> they say, I've heard guys say, I looked in the mirror and I just didn't see who I was anymore. And I, I felt that I've been there. I've looked in the mirror and gone, who the hell is this guy looking at me? Like I, I've lost, I got no idea who this person is. And that's when, you know, years later, kind of coming back into it, that was always kind of on my mind. But I'd also, I developed a purpose as a means of getting out of the darkness. I, I saw something that I had to do with, this had to mean something. You know, all this shit down here. So I started to formulate this idea of what I could do with that. And that built upon itself and it kept growing and it has become so much more than just a contest, a world's strongest man or a Arnold victory. That's just a stepping stone now because that's only the first half of life. You've got all this stuff to deal with afterward. You can't just keep looking back saying, I was 30 years ago, world's strongest man. I was this. 
You know, that's like the guy in the gym saying, I squatted 400 in high school. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, that wasn't parallel. <laughs> it is, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is awesome to win World's Strongest Man, and that is a lifetime achievement. That's badass. And it is something that you can live the rest of your life with, absolutely. <clears throat> but you got to be comfortable with whatever you've created for yourself afterward. And if that's fine with you, then that's, that's it. That's fine. That's the goal in life. But if you feel like you need to do something more, then that can't be your end result. That can't be your end goal. That has to be a stepping stone. And for me, um, it has become my stepping stone because <clears throat> there are way too many lost souls out there. There are so many people that don't know who they are. They, they've been something, they've lost that thing. And when they lose it, it's so heartbreaking, especially if it's family. It's so crushing that <clears throat> they get lost in that darkness and they don't see a way out. They think that there's nothing more for them. They think they've peaked, that's it, that's all they had. And they get stuck in this wash of, well, that's life and now I'm just day to day. You know, so my whole mission now is to prove that no matter how far you've fallen, and there are few who have fallen as far or farther than me. So no matter how fucking far you've fallen, you can always rise back up and you can become something greater than you ever were. And I'm still working on that part. And I will always probably be working on that part, but becoming something more and in having an impact, making your life worth something great to so many people out there who could benefit from your story or your information or your example or whatever. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to lead by example and show these people that the darkness isn't the end. Whether you can see that little spot of light that represents hope or not. Because I lived in the darkness, I couldn't see that light for a while. <clears throat> you got to find, you got to fumble around, keep going. And at some point, you'll see that little pinprick off in the distance. And then finally, and that's, I mean, that, that little pinprick of light is life-changing. But you've got to be able to keep going through the darkness and clawing your way, you know, over the rocks and whatever creatures are down there <laughs> feeding yeah. off of you. And there's a lot of there's a lot of bottom dwellers that'll feed off of you. Those are the other people who are lost. They uh, they don't want you to get out because then they have to work harder themselves to get out. So you got to be careful of people like that. You got to be careful of who you let infect your mind with information. And so these are all this is all part of my mission now. You know it's it's to sum it up. It is people get lost. People have a life or maybe not a great life. Something happens. They fall apart. They're lost. They're lost in that darkness. I want to show them that there's a way out. They just got to keep going. Find purpose. Find purpose. Whatever the hell it is. Whatever speaks to your heart. And focus only on that. Regardless of what anyone else is saying. And you keep moving forward and then and someday, at some point, when you have enough faith and you keep going long enough, you'll claw your way out of that shithole. And then you can dust yourself up, rise up, 
and become something better than you ever thought you could have. So that's my whole mission in life. <laughs> yeah, and dude, but you, you know what? You, you say that and you, you put it so eloquently and beautifully, that, but you can 100% see that. You can 100% see that. You can see that <clears throat> you're speaking from, again, you know, that point of experience, but you also, because you experience that, is that you have that inherent empathy with those people. And, you know, I haven't been in the same situation that you have, but I have been manically depressed. I have been in that dark, dark, dark space, letting dark things feed off of me and stare, sitting at the bottom of that well and looking at the, the, the top and just seeing the light and no means to get there. And it's a horrible, horrible, horrible place. Yeah. But the fact is, is that you have such... Uh, like this wonderful self-perspective now that you're in a position, you've realized that you have this position and you have this duty and you have this network available to you that you can promote through your channels what these people actually need and actually giving them the help and the advice. And like I stand by the, the thing of saying, you know, you can put out stuff every single day and no one will necessarily message you back or say whatever, but at least at least one person has been affected by what you've said and what you have done and the actions that you've taken usually positive especially it, it, considering what you're doing now with what you're talking about the subjects that you're bringing about but like that in itself is crazy because then when you see you have that connection you see you have that outreach and that power it then just fuels you again and it almost becomes like your superpower that you're like okay like I've, I've had this. I've been in the worst position possible. Yeah. I'm now up here. Now all I want to do is help all of these people to come up to my level. It's so fucking easy in this day and age to tear down everyone else's fucking castles so we're all on this same low, grey, bland, fucking monotone level. But it's right. so hard to, hard to stand out as an outlier like you've done and go through the bullshit and say... Hey, like I could just get after my own right now. I could get my check. I can get a good life. I can do whatever and I'm going to be fine. But I'm going to take this time and I'm going to reflect and I'm going to help all of those people that I know need this help that aren't being given this help by government channels or councils or whatever that need to hear this shit because I think that is so fucking important, man. That is what saves lives. Well, I think people need to realize that people are people. Yes. Regardless of who it is, yes. on what level they're at, you know, Hollywood actors, you know, football players, whatever. People are people. They're all going to screw up. They're all going to feel pain. They're all going to go through this shit. And, and you know, what? one of the things you touched on when bringing all these people out, I, I kind of use the analogy of, uh, you know, we, we build our villages. We try to build our house big. Uh, you can knock your neighbor's house over to make yours look better, yeah. steal their stones, try and build your house up a little more. <clears throat> that's uh, that's what a lot of people do. That's because then you don't have to try very hard to look better than everyone else. Yeah. But that's not what I like to do. You know, I want to build my I'm gonna I'm gonna build my building up, but I'm gonna build everyone else's up around me, and I'm gonna have a city full of skyscrapers. You know, I don't have to be any taller than anyone else, but we're all gonna be freaking huge. It's gonna be elevated going to be like manhattan my building doesn't need to stand taller than anyone else's as long as all of theirs stand strong and proud yeah it's it's really interesting you you talk about this because <laughs> it, it's it seems like from the outside like 
you've now got this passion of like creating your positive environment around you and like we kind of spoke about before like it's very easy to get into the like uh that negative downward spiral of like just picking out the negative stuff and each day gets worse and then you lose focus of all the becomes good stuff. an addiction yeah 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 a hundred percent a hundred percent but because you're in this you're in this position now where you can help and empower people you get a kick off of that they get a kick off of that everyone levels up and it's like okay and we bring another person in and we all level up and we bring in another person and we all level up and it just becomes infectious but everyone becomes you become a stronger community so then that only just goes to help progress you and your path as a human being which is fucking beautiful man it's just everyone helping each other that's exactly it you you create that wave of energy you know you instead of pushing and pulling and taking and scrapping and fighting you're building each other up and therefore people are building you up you're building them up they're building you up and yeah you keep it just feeds off of itself it becomes this positive wave and people realize how much more power there is in positivity and building each other up rather than tearing each other down they would you know, this world would be a completely different place. Now, that's some hippie shit that I'm talking about, but Bro, I completely possible. agree with you. I completely <laughs> agree with you. It's so, so, so true. Like, it, if we all just supported each other and we didn't put each other down and we didn't listen to the naysayers and we followed whatever the fuck it was that we actually wanted to do, we would be so much more content and happy in ourselves. And I know you can speak about this, that if you aren't... If you aren't happy in yourself as a human being, if you're if you aren't happy with where you're at, like that's the most important thing. You can't do anything else. You shouldn't be giving your emotional energy and attention out to other people if you haven't got your own shit cemented. And I think this is what it feels like coming into this. Like we keep on going back to it, like Travis 2.0 is that like you have this super fucking cemented concrete idea and understanding now like you've gone through it and you have you've ticked all those boxes you know what you need on that checklist and now it's like okay let's get it done (laughs) but you know i I appreciate you saying that but you know i still i just feel like i'm just a guy just doing what he loves and if i follow my heart i guess it checks all those boxes off so dude it's just being uh, a good human do you know what i mean like it's just being (laughs) a good human being and it's so it's so crazy that we have to talk about it in like in this situation and like highlight it because it's like what why isn't this just the norm like why isn't everyone just doing this for each other do you know what i mean like but it's true especially in 2020 man it's a strange time it's nerve-wracking to open yourself up because you're opening yourself up to criticism and you know that. So when you're scared to open up, it's hard to share things that would positively benefit other people. You know, and I think that's, it's hesitation. It's hesitation. We, when we talk about it like this, it's like, yeah, it makes so much sense. It's so easy. We, you know, but hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah. (laughs) Living and actually experiencing the positivity and the flow from each other and the help from each other you have to let down your guard in order for that to work. And a lot of people are really scared and don't want to let down their guard. And, and rightly so. You know, it, it hurts when you get hurt, when you get screwed over, when you let it down and then somebody just trashes you. It really sucks. But <clears throat> I think that's the next step is we need to teach people how to deal with that and not let it crush them. 
Yeah. You know, and that's where I think mentors come in into play. Fathers for sons, mothers for daughters, mentors for everyone, because you need a separate perspective than your parents sometimes. Yeah. But uh, so who's you your know, mentor? Think- Who mentors you? Who do you gain influence from, trust, respect, understanding, whatever it might be for you? Who do you look to? I've got I've got a few mentors. I've got uh, you know my my first mentor was a guy named Jim Glassman who got me uh, taught me how to train for strongman, and I, I he trained at Westside Barbell for a while, so I got some of my mentality of the insane training from him. So the toughness I got from him. That explains a lot. That explains a lot. <laughs> but it's interesting you say that. But I I look at you as a competitor, and I'm like, it is like that 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 do or die mentality that those guys at Westside really kind of they cemented the foundation yeah. of that movement and the fact that you're you are so similar to that and then you then you tell me you have that backwards link it's like yeah it makes Fit complete right fucking sense yeah I, w- I was totally insane with my <laughs> intensity and then that just kind of fueled the fire you know that and it cemented it just put uh, kerosene on the my... fucking fire just <laughs> <laughs> roaring flame yeah <laughs> um i got a couple other mentors now that uh, <clears throat> uh john anderson is one and uh you know he's he's more of a business mentor for me which business is something that does not come natural to me uh knowing your worth is not something that comes natural to me so like learning how to like build a business off of training clients knowing what to charge how to charge how to how to collect um, you know, I, I just wanted to give away all the information because I didn't think that any of it was worth anything, but I got to eat, you know, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of important. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to learn how to figure out what my worth was. And then, uh, you know, as far as nutrition and just a different philosophy on certain things is Nathan Payton. Yeah. You know, I, I <clears throat> these guys may not realize they're my mentors, but I, I suck a lot of information out of everything that they tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, and it's awesome as well that you have like that eclectic spread of, of like different mentors. And I think that in itself is also something that's really, really important and should be highlighted yeah. more is that we shouldn't just be seeking out, you know, guidance and advice from people that are, you know, within our fields, because then we get that very closed off view. Like you kind of talk about that 360. Yeah, it's that whole holistic approach. You've got to approach it from all angles, take in all those opinions, all of that knowledge, and then you then get to make that final decision of, okay, this is now the path that I want to go down. That's that's absolutely right. And people don't realize how much two seemingly totally separate things will have carryover. Yeah. They, They will have a lot of influence on each other if you learn how to pick the certain pieces. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me um but yeah like like you say that holistic approach 360 learning if you uh if you learn how to take five or six different styles of thinking and then figure out your center path what works for you your your mind will tell you because it will come as an understanding it will it will be that free flowing understanding of how all these things make sense and then you just go with that you go with that because obviously i mean if you understand it easily you're going to understand it better 
and then you're going to be more effective with whatever you're you're learning and you're understanding and gaining from all this experience from these other people. But, you know, if I had to give advice to somebody, I would say never hesitate to learn from a mentor, to, to get a mentor. In fact, I wouldn't say never hesitate. I'd say it's essential. If you want to do something, have a mentor who's already there. And that way you don't have to fill in all this groundwork, the foundation. All you got to do is build off of their experience. Yeah. So you're getting a boost off of all the work they've done to learn and grow and experience they've gained from their mentors. It's a huge benefit to learn from somebody who's already been there. Yeah. You know, but on the other side is if you've got a mentor, respect their time and don't bug the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, know now that thing. from the coaching standpoint as well, because you've now experienced but, it yeah, there's, yourself. There's learning, and then there's like way too many fucking questions. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need to get a frequently asked questions page up on my website or some shit. That's crazy. So it's, 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 you know, it's interesting that, you know, we talk about all of these life experiences and everything that you've gone through now and we're sat now at this this kind of turning point, this position in time where it's kind of like the the world is kind of your oyster and you're kind of manifesting the, the world that you want to live in rather than the world that was kind of, you know, excuse me for kind of saying it, but like previously dictated for you almost, you know. And that was, I, like from the outside, it seemed that that was, that was the hard thing is that you are then trying to fulfill, you know, this hollow hole in a life that you necessarily hadn't chosen. And now we have like, okay, he's ticking all the boxes he wants to, he knows where he wants to go, he's got direction, he has this fuck ton of experience. Where, where where are you going with it? What's what's the plan? What's your plan of action? What what competitions are you looking at attacking? What are you thinking with kind of like body weight? How are you feeling? Obviously, you just just competed in America's Strongest Man. Obviously, I know that wasn't necessarily the result you necessarily exactly wanted. Um, yeah. And I know that, you know, again, that's a scary thing for the other athletes because that, that means Travis is coming back fucking hungry, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, just to touch on that briefly. Um, you know, I had the, the shoulder surgery in May of 2019, June. 2019 because it took them freaking six weeks from the time I tore it to the time they could actually operate. But it was, uh, that's a really long, slow process because they had to drill anchors into my bone, anchor the tendon down. There was no movement for three weeks. And then it was passive movement for three weeks. And I remember, you know, somewhere like the six or eight week mark, putting my arm out and then trying to hold it out as I pulled it off of a, uh, like the crossbar of a yoke. And I was trying to hold it up, and it just fell. There was no activation. I could not put my arm above my head until the eight-week mark. So two months post-surgery. Shit. I couldn't, yeah. And I don't think I was even supposed to be doing it then. I think my doctor <laughs> did it. I mean, <laughs> That's that West Side mentality again, dude. <laughs> I, did, I did learn a couple things on that. I, this is really important for anybody listening. If you're coming back from a major injury, push to the point of pain, not through the point of pain. You push to pain, then relax, back off. When you're trying to get a joint to move, because I started cranking on it, I was trying to get it to uh, It pissed it off. Yeah. It pissed it off, and then so I just started to go to pain, and then I found that I could get a little bit higher the next time, and a little bit higher. Your brain's got to turn off. It's got to yeah. turn all the guards off. So yeah, that's just a little side bit. 
<clears throat> but uh, anyway, so getting back into America's Strongest Man, it was a year and a half since I had competed. And uh, shit, I didn't realize that even though I've done like a 90 contest, I'm still, you get rusty if you don't compete. <laughs> yeah, 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 I believe that. You know, all the little details, the traveling, the remembering which foods to get, how to get them, how to make it easy to prepare, uh, how to wake up the morning of a contest and get your ass ready without being too ready or too under ready or, you know, I got yeah. to the show and I was flat. I was just flat. I'd been, see, I traveled on Thursday out to Atlanta, stayed with my cousin, and then we drove almost five hours to Savannah. This is my father. He came with me. And so it was two days of travel when I don't know why I didn't just book the ticket straight to Savannah. It was only a couple hundred dollars more. You know, I would have saved a whole day of travel, a rented car and all that shit. But, yeah. you know, just goddamn rookie mistakes, man. After 90 contests and coaching 100 more contests, just dumb, stupid rookie mistakes. I got there. I felt tired. I felt flat. You know, my mindset, I think I, think I was so focused on first place. Rather than, I just want to do this on each event. I don't give a shit how those guys do. I want to do this on each event. I want to have fun doing it. Yeah. I didn't go out. I wasn't having fun the first day. I was kind of nervous. I didn't know any of these guys. You know, for a guy who's been around a long time to really not know anybody you're competing with, that's kind of weird. Yeah. It's weird. It felt like a, I felt like I was a rookie again. Why does everyone look 12 years old here? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know... It, it's kind of weird to even say this, but a lot of them are looking at me the way I looked at the guys when I first came in. I saw that guy on TV. Hey, man, I, I watched you as a kid. Fuck you, man. <laughs> watched me as a kid? I'm not that goddamn old. Screw you, man. <laughs> but, I mean, on the one hand, it's it's awesome. It's it's nice to hear that. But on the other hand, it's like fucking punk. Shut the hell up, you know? <laughs> But uh, so I got there. I just my energy was off the first day. <clears throat> I came in a lot better the second day, but I still just kind of made a couple rookie mistakes. I yeah. still my head wasn't in my body, kind of thing. You know, I think uh, and to, to be fair, I'd only had like seven or eight weeks of actual event training in that past year and a half. Yeah. It was just the seven weeks getting into this contest, and the first couple weeks kicked my ass i i remember thinking after a couple of those sessions i'm like shit man i don't know if i can do this anymore this is really freaking hard and my body is trashed right now yeah. especially with the circus dumbbell i remember 170 pounds which is uh like 75 kilos or something i, I couldn't even get it off my shoulder really it would just flop yeah, did, I, I actually watched that video 10. back today. The the whole time lapse across the whole process, just the amount of times where it like, comes up halfway, you chuck it down, and then you just hear "fuck" in the background, <laughs> and then the, and then the next lift. And I was like, "Dude, I've been there." <laughs> yeah, I don't hide my emotions very well. <laughs> it's just pretty. Like oh, no, fuck. Next push. <laughs> I would turn into a corner and scream at myself. And... <laughs> <laughs> I 
that whole gym has seen me freak out in a corner somewhere <laughs> so many times. Yeah, oh, it's just uh, it's just oh, shit. Having a but you know, I'm passionate about it. You know, it's frustrating because <laughs> dumbbell was one of those things that I could beat anyone. I Poundstone oh, yeah. was the only one who could beat me back in 2009, 2010. It was the only one who could. I was there. I beat Zadrunas on it. Or I tied with him. I can't remember if I beat him or I tied with him at the Arnold in 2010 or 2011. One of those years. We both got like three or four reps, something like that. Anyway, so, yeah, it was a great event for me. And to just flop over and over and not be able to find a comfortable spot, it was just it's so frustrating like knowing that it knowing that you've previously done something and executed it to such a high standard to have that kind of strip back and be lost in in that position where you once felt so comfortable must feel almost alien in your own body yeah yeah it's what it was i mean i remember taking that 170 pounds getting it to my shoulders and it feeling like it was going to rip my tricep and my shoulder it's like what the hell is going on? I, I'm trying to put it back here and find a new spot. And, you know, like, <laughs> what the hell, man? And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was disheartening, but I kept pushing through because I, I too stupid to quit. I just kept beating my head against it and beating my, and I finally got the contest weight in training. But what people didn't see is that was two hours of dumbbell work. When I finally hit that weight, I finally got so pissed off Damn. that it went up and I just didn't have two hours to fuck around with it at America's Strongest Man. So I just, I couldn't quite get into it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it was on top of that first day where it was just shit. Uh, but I had some highlights, you know, my deadlift has come up so much the last year. Yeah. I mean, it's come up huge. Um, I did 11 reps with seven... I think it was like 750. It might have been a little bit lighter. I think they changed it the day of maybe 10 or 20 pounds lighter than 750. Okay. Uh, but I got 11 reps. And wow. because I did so poorly on the dumbbell, I had to go second. You know, the guy that went before me got three. So it's not like I had a, a mark to try and reach and beat. It's a I just had to go out there and crank as hard as I could. And uh, there's a little bit of an out-of-body experience on that one. But I knew the deadlift was going to be good, so I had that confidence going into it. <clears throat> the the unfortunate thing is that absolutely fried my legs, and when I picked the Husafel stone up on the last event, I almost buckled. My legs were like jello. I picked it up. It felt light up here. I was fine. And my <laughs> legs wanted to give out. I've never felt that before. Like, oh, shit, this is going to suck. And sure enough, an event win for me turned out to be fifth place or something. You know, I, I, that's an, usually an easy win. Yeah. And I just fell apart. So, so what <laughs> do you think that day... needs to happen kind of like moving forward from this? It, it, it Was it just a, a case of that you've just been out of the sequence for too long? Or is it a case of that you're like, okay, I know that actually in my training block leading up to competition, maybe I need to do this or I need to stagger this a little bit more or I need to work more on this like auxiliary accessory work. So, yeah, definitely a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. A lot of it was just nerves and rust and being out of sync with me. 
Because yeah. when I compete, I, I pretty much ride on raw emotion. And if I'm having fun, that's powerful. And I wasn't having fun. I was just overwhelmed and nervous. And, and so, yeah, it just it, my energy was down with it, you know. Uh, training, the thing that I would train, that I would change in training, and this is what I'm going to do going forward. I'm not going to leave out carry events. Like the first week I did the sandbags, I remember putting the 300 on my chest and freaking out because I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get a breath of air. And I'm like, God, I'm so weak with my diaphragm. I, I couldn't actually breathe while carrying it. It was, it was awful. If I'd have had a whole nother four weeks of training or if I hadn't had to come from so far down yeah. and build up on all of the events, it probably would have been a lot different. And, and, you know, sandbags ended up being one of those things that, that worked out just right for me at the right moment, because training those, uh, I've got a 140 kilo, 155 kilo and 180 kilo or 300 pound, 340, 400. And, uh, the competition has, a 165 kilo sandbag in between those. So four total sacks. I was training with three. I could get the first two easy. And that 180 kilo, 400 pound bag was destroying me. It was just beating the shit out of me. If I tried to do it in the medley in training, I could need get it to my knees. And I could come back and I'd gotten it up and over the bar one time by itself in training. And then I did the medley at America's Strongest Man. And at this point, I kind of said, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck it. I don't give a shit anymore. God damn it. It's like, I kind of want to stop, but I know I'm not going to. So I might as well just fucking have fun with this. And I crushed it. I crushed it. I had, I had this plan of doing three fast and then getting my breath and really setting up for the fourth. So I still did that, but I didn't need to. I picked the last one up and I loaded it and it was like fucking empty. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Couldn't we have given up yesterday and then had fun all day today? <laughs> so, what a waste know, of a day. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean at least at least I ended on a high note and I had a great time at the end of everything. I had a great time. It was uh obviously a learning experience but it was getting to know the guys <clears throat> there's some great guys competing at america's strongest man and uh and the women were fucking badasses too i gotta hand it to them they were tough as shit but uh yeah overall it was a fun experience with a with an end on a high note <laughs> yeah. yeah and at least you kind of you have a better understanding of what to expect moving forward like both out of your body and out of your training do you know what i mean like and i think yeah. that's the, that's the fantastic thing that even at this point you're still reflecting on things you're still taking the time out to to look at what you can improve and where you can tighten those margins and that for me is 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 something that very experienced lifters do very humble lifters do you know it's very very hard to eat that fucking humble pie and be like well turns out i wasn't the fucking best athlete today at this event and whatever like okay time to fucking just swim around and load in self-pity for a little while and then like get back on on the train but it's you know it's 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 difficult man so i think it's it's really commendable to see that you are just still at this point constantly looking to develop 
constantly looking to adapt, constantly looking to evolve. Even through this later stage of your career, it's it's cool because it's like you you're almost like kind of reinventing yourself but you're reinventing yourself in in the kind of way that almost you you wish you had done previously where you're coming out now with like the best package you can from every fucking angle you nailed it you nailed it right there so in my first life i think i'd gotten to that point where i was more of a fixed mindset i thought that i knew how to do things i thought i knew all the right ways when you get into that fixed mindset, you expect to be the best or you expect things to be easier or you expect whatever. And when reality doesn't meet the expectation, <laughs> it's a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, dude. exactly it. And so <laughs> I had to learn the hard way how to get that growth mindset. Yeah. That's what got me out of the darkness. You know, it was... Uh, it's, it's a mindset that carries over into everything. When you have a growth mindset, you're always looking for a better way, a new way, a, a, a new experience, trying to figure out another way of doing something. And it just makes, well, one, it kind of eliminates that expectation or at least the detrimental effects of not having those expectations met. You can have expectations, but it's not as devastating when life slaps you in the face and you doesn't meet them. So it's like, okay, well that sucked, but there's where I went wrong. There's where I went wrong. I want to do these things right. I'm going to change. And you know, that's, that was, that was forged in fire. Let's just say when I was trying to get out of my hell, that, that growth mindset, learning how to see what you're doing wrong, whether it's a mindset thing, whether it's an environmental thing. And then, finding ways to adapt, overcome, and and grow from that. And, you know, I think, honestly, if I had to say how big a deal growth mindset is, I'd say it saved my life. Because, you know, when I was in that, that darkness, and I was, I was fucking addicted to meth, you know, and it's, it was, god damn, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> and, and for anybody who doesn't know the story, if, if, uh, if I had to say it quickly, you know, I had my first life in Strongman. Uh, then things started falling apart for me. You know, one thing led to another. I, I went to a, a – I'm going to do a brief overview <laughs> yeah, of yeah. why – synopsize like your life. <laughs> have that growth mindset. So, you know, I was, I was on top of the world. I went to a doctor who told me that I needed painkillers, basically. He said, these are going to help you to relax and recover and – and with what you do, you need painkillers. So I believed him. And uh, after a few weeks, I needed those painkillers. And you don't realize that that's a bad thing until you try to stop using those things. And you don't realize how much it impacts your life because you're numb to things. It doesn't just numb physically. It numbs you mentally and emotionally. And... Uh, that's that was kind of the decline that you know that started in like 2010 2011 and uh 2012 i'd had enough i was trying to get off of that and it was just a nightmare it was a nightmare to get off of that shit <clears throat> and uh at this point my wife and i had separated she moved back to england with our son single most painful moment of my life that was november 25th 
2012. Uh, not many people can pinpoint their most painful moment in life. That was mine. That was shattering. And uh, so I gave myself a week. I said, you know what? You can get as fucked up as you want. Just have at it. Because this sucks. This hurts. And I had, I had gotten from an old girlfriend of mine, an ex-girlfriend of mine. She sent me just a little baggie of meth, crystal meth. And I thought, well, let's try that. That week turned into four years. You That's know. a long fucking week, dude. That's, <laughs> That's a long, long week. fucking week. <laughs> and, and, and to touch, you know, I tell this story because it hits so many points of what we've touched on in this conversation. That mindset when you're spiraling downward and you're looking at the negative, you see more negative. You see more negative, you look for more negative. And it, it self-perpetuates itself. You spiral downward. That's where I was. I kept going over in my head. I lost my family. I lost my wife. I lost my career. I lost this. And I look at all these things that I'm losing all the time. And when you have something as powerful as methamphetamines in your brain, especially the way I was doing it, because I don't do anything half-assed, <laughs> I pretty much went straight to shooting meth. <laughs> no middle ground. Remember, Fuck it. Just straight off the top phone. board. Huh? Just straight off the top board. Fuck it. Let's Dude, go. It, Man, God. I mean, I guess I started out smoking it, but then it went it went quickly because I had these insulin syringes, and I thought, well, let's look up on the internet how to do this. Okay, I'm gonna dial 911 in case something goes wrong. I'm gonna have it there. I can hit talk, and I literally had that in my phone, ready to hit the send button. Like, you know, at some point, I should have thought maybe this is a bad idea. <laughs> You got 911 here. This is something you shouldn't be doing. That's that's a big red flag, man. So, fuck. Yeah, but uh, you know, the, the, I kept going with the the crystal meth at first because it got me off of the painkillers. And that was such a struggle. I thought I can kick this. Let's just use it until I get off of painkillers yeah. because the, the withdrawal from that is fucking nightmarish when you're yeah. on heavy painkillers. And so, yeah, that, that's one of those things with something so powerful like that. It infects your thinking. And I thought this is a good idea. I can, I can easily ditch this one. And that turned into, you know, several years of an addiction to meth. And, uh, and somewhere I had spiraled down so much and lost so much. And this is where I burned the world around me. This is where I really trashed everything. And uh, I was taking out all this anger on myself and just destroying my life. Um, I reached a really, really, really low point. And I was thinking, you know, suicide, I just want to get the fuck out of here. I'm done with this. And so I had, I had a 40 caliber Beretta. Really nice fucking gun. I wish I still had it because it was badass. <laughs> but it had these uh, these hollow points with a little rubber ball in them. A nasty bullet. They opened oh, up real real yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, I think the NYPD uses them so that they can get through the thick leather jackets in the winter before they open up inside somebody. <laughs> it's really sick, man. Um, so anyway, I had this thing. You know, I had, to, I had the gun in my mouth, and I was thinking, I want to just fucking be done. And the little guy back here just casually says, what about the poor bastard that's going to have to clean all that shit up? And I thought, God, that would suck. That, 
that's what stopped me. Then oh. I'm thinking about somebody got to clean up my mess. I didn't want to do that to someone. I thought that's pretty fucked up. So I, I then come to my senses and realize this is fucking stupid. Oh my God. We got, okay, put the gun down. This isn't working. We got to find something. We got to find something. And I'm like, okay. I started going through my list of, I lost this. I lose my house, losing my job, losing my family. And I caught myself saying all the things that were negative in my life. And I said, oh, wait a second. You've been doing this for like the last three years. And it's obviously making everything worse. Maybe we should focus on something good. Let's find a positive. And I looked around my house and it was just negative sadness everywhere. It had the energy of my son in it. And, you know, that was just an eternal sadness. Yeah. <clears throat> so I look around, you know, I kind of gave up and I look down and I see my toes start moving and I see my feet and my feet were a little messed up because when you, when you shoot meth, it fucks your feet up. You get uh, cellulitis and stuff like that. And uh, I was looking at him like, God, man, my feet are messed up, but you know what? They still work. They still work. That means I can get the fuck up. And if I wanted to, I can walk out of all this shit. These, I've got two feet that can take me wherever the hell I want to go. And I felt this surge of joy for the first time in years. That was that little pinprick of hope. Oh my God, that felt good. I kind of rode that for a little while. Then I passed out. <laughs> the next day I got up and I wanted to feel that again. So I started thinking, you know, let's find something to be grateful for. And I, I looked around, there was nothing. And I thought, well, we got to, we got to make it simpler. I got my feet and I got my hands and with my hands and my feet, I can go anywhere and I can do anything. I can, I, I am fully capable human being at this point. I can go and do whatever I want to do. And I got that feeling again. The third day I found a third thing. The fourth day I didn't find a fourth thing, but I went through my first three. I had a checklist now. And instead of my checklist of what I lost, I have a checklist of what I've got. Yeah. And that made me feel good. And so instead of spiraling downward, I'm now starting to spiral upward. And I mean, there was a lot of negative momentum to overcome. And it took me a long time of focusing on the good. <clears throat> and I had a couple little tricks that helped me with it. I put a little rock in my pocket and every time I felt that rock, I would make myself go through my checklist of positive things. So I, I'd gained, you know, a few more things. <clears throat> I tried to find something new every day, which kept that spiral going upward. And here's where those leeches, those little bottom dwellers come in and they tell you, you can't do that. They look at me. I remember one woman looking at me and going, what do you have to be so grateful for? Look at your life. Like, ooh, ooh, I'm making people real uncomfortable. I'm grateful <laughs> for that. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, obviously I'm doing something right. really fucking powerful if it is rocking your boat that bad. <laughs> so it took about a year, maybe 10 months of that constant everyday positive thinking to finally turn that momentum the other way and stop being so negative. And uh, the final turning point came when I was kicked out of my house. So I had, my house had been foreclosed on. Um, <clears throat> and a little side note of that, uh, one of the other 
most unlucky days of my life was I had just uh, filed for bankruptcy because I was trying to keep my house. When I got home, I was served with divorce papers the same fucking day. <laughs> and so that's what people were referring to. Like, what do you have? I'm like, you know what? That's actually kind of funny. Who has that bad of luck? <laughs> <That's pretty funny. laughs> but uh, they finally came. They kicked me out of my house. And I knew it was coming. So I had kept looking at my house and I projected all that negative energy onto the house. I said, this is my prison. I obviously can't get out of here, but I know I'm going to be forced out of here because I can't make myself get out. It's just, I'm not ready for that, I guess. But I know I'm going to be forced out. So this is my prison. This is my hell. And they came, they kicked me out and it was painful, obviously. But that little voice in here and back here was like, we're free. We're finally free. And now I'm taking the first steps towards my next life. And I lived in a storage unit for a couple months after that. So <clears throat> that was uh, October of 2015. So my wife had left November 25th, 2012. And then I had that three years of absolute nightmarish hell until I was kicked out of my house. And I lived in a storage unit for a couple months. A lot of people think that storage unit was like the low point of my life. That was the beginning of the new life. That was the beginning. The storage unit was actually the same storage unit where we used to train strongman. So they knew me. Oh, they knew me wow. really well. And uh, they kind of looked the other way. I remember the first night I kind of slept in my truck in the parking lot. And they're like, you know, Travis, you can't stay here. You you can't stay here. It's like, oh, yeah, I totally get you. I'm not going to stay here. And then I just sort of ended up working and trying to organize. I was trying to build a shelf and then organize shit and get all my stuff that I could in there. And, uh, I just kept staying and they just stopped saying anything. You know, I ran a little extension cord and I had a light and a little power strip. I could charge my phone. <laughs> they just let me sleep there on a little box that was, uh, no more than two and a half by three feet. I put a yoga mat on top of that and then put my feet up on a shelf behind that. That's where I slept. <clears throat> but it was liberating because it was, that was my hope. You know, I got, I had to get all the stuff. When, when you're foreclosed on, they'll take your stuff and then basically ransom it back to you or auction it off. And so I was trying to get my stuff back and then get it in that storage unit. So it took me a few weeks and then it took me several more weeks to save up enough money to get out of there and drive out to Reno. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that was, that was the beginning of freedom for me. And it was, it was that moment of seeing my feet and what they represented rather than the pain that they were or the negativity. It was that moment of reverse, starting to reverse the momentum that created that growth mindset that created the, well, let's look at this a different way. It's the same situation, but I'm now looking at it in a positive light rather than this negative light. It's the same fucking thing, but now I feel good and I have a lot of hope versus my life is over and I want to die. 
I mean, it's it's literally that's that's all it is, and that takes a lot of work, uh, and it's a daily thing. You know, it's uh, it's powerful, but you have to be consistent. You have to be mindful, and that taking a little rock, putting it in your pocket, and then every time you feel it. Make yourself go through that checklist. It doesn't have to be that. It could be anything that triggers you to think about the positive things. Because the more you think about positive things, you change your brain's chemistry. You change the neurotransmitters. You change the way it fires. And when you change the way it fires, that's how you see that negative situation from a different light. That's how you change the world. That's how you change your life. And that, that's the mission that I'm on now. That's the Travis 2.0. Armed with that knowledge, I want to go to the top of the world and I want to tell everybody that's listening how they can do the same thing because everybody's got the ability inside them already. You're born with it. It's, uh, you know, you want to say <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of addicts, when they get clean, they want to say, God came down and gave me the strength. Jesus gave me the strength. God gave you the strength before you were born. You just realized it now. Yeah. You already had it. Yeah. He, you know, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, if it's all knowing and time is not linear, you can see the past, present, future all at one time. God already knows what you're going to do. You already have it. <laughs> you already have that strength. The universe gave it to you before you were born. You just have to realize it. And that's what I want to help people do is realize it's already here. It's already here. They just have to start believing. Yeah, 100%. And focusing. Yeah. And that sorry, I, I know I go off on a tangent and I, Dude, I, I completely love that it. story, man. I completely love it. And I think it's really, 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 really important for people to hear that as well. And and it's interesting as well because I think you're, you may just <clears throat> bring up a few of those points again. So the, the way that I like to, to wrap up the podcast, and I do the same thing with absolutely everyone because I think it's very interesting to see all those different perspectives and those point of views like you're talking about there. So I want you, this is going to be a very interesting one for yourself, especially for a second, just to imagine that you're stepping into a time machine. And when you step into that time machine, you're taken back uh, to when you're 11, 12, 13 years of age. You know, that there is there is a lot to happen in your life. You've got all these trials and tribulations ahead of you. You know the path that that young man is going to have to walk. And you get to spend a few minutes there with him and talk to him and impart some wisdom, mantra, a way to live by. Just some advice to get that young man who's lost in his world through all, <laughs> all of that hardship that you've had to go through to get to the point where you are today what what do you say to to your younger self you know i've thought about that i've thought about that i i would the easy answer is i would tell i would tell myself not to work out on may 8th 2008 <laughs> because you're going to tear half your peck off and that fucking sucks i would tell myself you know don't do that second attempt or third attempt at the Arnold and let your back <laughs> fucking bow and herniate at this. Don't do that. That's this bad idea. Um, you know, what would I tell that kid? I would tell that kid 
hang on, man, it's going to be a rough ride. And if there's nothing I can say, and, and there's really nothing I can say to change it, because if you are who I think you are, and since I know you, you are who you are, you're going to have to go through it to learn it. I can't just tell you the surface. You, you're That's not going to work for you. Trust me. I know, pal. <laughs> you're going to have to go through all of this, man. Just hang on and brace yourself because it's going to be fucking awful. But it's going to be fucking amazing at the same time. I think I can, I can say this. I have not led a boring life. <laughs> <laughs> that you certainly haven't that you certainly <laughs> dude i think you've lived like most of like i don't know probably like eight people's lives at this stage like That's you've done you've like done enough crazy shit to, to fill a few few lives 100 percent, man 100 <laughs> percent. but but i love that you know and you bring up you know that that really important point of the the they're gonna have to go through it anyway and that in and of itself is that is the learning process and i think it's it's really important for people to understand that yeah you know it might seem that life has dealt you a shit hand or you're in a shit position especially now with coronavirus and people being fucking made redundant left right and center and it's a hard time for a lot of people it's coming up to christmas there's added stresses like just understand that you can manifest the life that you want you can go down any road you want to if you want to apply yourself and if you don't know how find a mentor find That's a teacher exactly it. find a coach it, reach out. life is only life is only dealt you a shit hand if that's what you think fuck yeah 100%. it's uh, it's yeah it, it is what you think it is and and i think you're absolutely right you know with the way things are right now and, and coronavirus stressing people out and christmas coming up i think this is a this is one of those Looking at it from a different point of view. This could be the best Christmas ever. Fuck presents. Enjoy family. Enjoy each other. There we go. Dude, I could, <laughs> fuck, I could talk to you all night. All night, honestly. like it's, it's been absolutely amazing, man. Thank you so fucking much for coming on this show. I think, honestly, not only is this going to hopefully help a lot of people, but I think it's such an incredible story. Such an incredible set of circumstances that the more and more people need to understand and listen and experience this because i think there are so fucking many life lessons to take away from this that i think is going to help a lot of people skip a lot a lot of those unnecessary stages oh. which you've gone oh. through yourself because you've it's now passed the way yeah dude <laughs> but you've you've passed the way and you've made that that way clearer and safer and, and you know healthier for a lot of people because you can now talk from a point of reason and that is absolutely amazing and i just commend you on everything you're doing keep on going keep on spreading that message keep on spreading that vibe i for one am so fucking excited to see what happens in the next couple of years man because if we I keep on making that, that progress I, I think we're, we're hopefully i'm hoping we're gonna see some big big upsets on some world stages again like like yeah man it's, it's gonna be cool i'm excited but thank you so much for taking the time out of your day man to come do this it's been Absolutely. awesome chatting with you dude yeah i appreciate it man i had a good time thank you